the Bible calls us who name the name of Christ, who belong to him, to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And every day, there, there's always both. And I'm thinking of that today in light of the horrible week we've had as a nation. There are hearts that are bitterly weeping today. And yet a little later, we're going to baptize some people uh, who've experienced new life in Jesus Christ and want to follow him. And so it's a God thing to be able to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We need his spirit to free our hearts to do both uh, without shame, without hesitation. I was thinking also of the verse in James that says, uh, where we're called to be slow to speak and quick to hear. And I think that's so important. Our culture has developed the habit whenever anything terrible happens of being very quick to speak. Even before we know all the facts, um, people are rushing to make statements. And those of us who know Jesus need to not do that. And we need to pray and we need to grieve. And then when it's time to speak, speak the truth in love. Uh, He has shown you, O man, He has told you what is good, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And how we need that, how we need to to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk with humility. I want to give us just a minute before we get into the message for this morning, just a, a quiet minute to pray. And I would especially encourage you to pray for those who are grieving today, for the families of those whose lives were lost this last week. Pray for them. Pray that God's Spirit will draw them to Him and that they would know His comfort. And I'll close this here in just a minute. So would you, let's, let's take a minute and pray. Our Father, we gather today because Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to our deepest need, to the, to the evil that darkens our hearts and breaks us and leads us to do evil things and divides us. Lord Jesus, you are the answer. You came to reconcile us and to, by your Spirit, be reconciled to one another. Lord, we turn to you as our only hope and the hope of our nation. We pray that you would just draw people to you. You would use this time now to draw us closer. Um, help us know what you want us to know and to do what you want us to do, to be the people you want us to be, to be salt and light who uh, are able to do justice and love mercy and to walk humbly with you. And we pray you would bring that about. Lord, call forth from our hearts both weeping and laughing and joy. Uh, as it is appropriate, each in its season. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you have a Bible and you want to open it up to the book of Genesis, we're going to be in chapters 25 and 27 today as we continue our journey. And once again, the topic of blessing comes up. It's a big topic in Genesis. And let me just... Uh, ask you this question, wouldn't you think 
that if God was blessing you and you knew it, if God was blessing your life and you knew that, and you knew he was at work in your life, bringing about his good purposes and using you and and extending his blessing, working his blessing through you, wouldn't you think that if you knew God was blessing you, that would lead you to be happy and content? Strangely enough, that's not always the case. Uh, It is possible to be blessed by God and not enjoy it very much. Uh, Blessing, as I said, is a big topic in the book of Genesis. We, We saw that when God created this world... He blessed his creation again and again. And and then even after humanity rebelled and decided, you know, that that, uh, we can't trust God to provide what's good, we can't trust God to tell us what's good, we've got to decide for ourselves what's good, what's right for us, what's best for us. Even after we rebelled against God, God worked, continues to work to to restore his blessing. And he chose a man named Abraham, and he promised to bless him and and bless his descendants, and through his descendants, ultimately to bless all the peoples of the world. And of course, we see that ultimately fulfilled in Abraham's greatest descendant, the Lord Jesus. Uh, Right now, we are following the story of Abraham's descendants, his son Isaac and and, and on, and, and we're seeing... We're going to see how God is blessing them and how he's using them to channel his blessing to the rest of the world. But what we're going to discover is these very people that God is blessing are not enjoying it very much. And I think we can learn some things from this. So I'm going to read our passage for today and show you what I mean. We're going to start in chapter 25, beginning at verse 21. And we're following the tale of Abraham's son Isaac and his two sons Esau and Jacob. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren, unable to have children. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger, which is completely upside down from the way things normally are in in this culture. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him They named him Esau, which means hairy. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up. Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah, mom, loved Jacob. Hmm. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That's why he was also called Edom. Edom means red. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. It's all the rights and privileges of the firstborn. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. 
So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread, some lentil stew. He ate and drank, then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. It's interesting. Now, whatever we think about Jacob here in his negotiating, uh, sure, I'll, I'll give you some stew, some of your birthright. Whatever we think of Jacob, the fact is Esau made a terrible choice here. And it's it's really, it's condemned throughout the rest of the Bible. Um, it's, it's seen as an act of unbelief, unbelief in God and his promises and his blessing. And the reason we're told this here is to keep us from feeling sorry for Esau as events unfold. So now we jump to chapter 27, verse 1. It's a lot to read. I'm going quick. Buckle up. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau's older son and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow. Go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock, bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. Notice he doesn't seem to have a problem with lying. It's the, <laughs> it's the prospect of getting caught. It's a common problem. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go get them for me. So he went and got them, brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands in the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Esau must have been a hairy dude. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I'm trying to sound like an outdoors kind of guy there. <clears throat> I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat uh, some of my game so that I may give you my blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? Uh, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. <laughs> Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you're really my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked, I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring, bring me some of the game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought him some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him. And he said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and may those who bless you be blessed. 
After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? Means deceiver. He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered, Esau, I've made him lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. What can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. So you can see dysfunctional families are not something new. And, get this, this is the family God is going to use to bless the world. You think, really? Well, see, that's, that's the point. God is at work in this family. God is at work blessing them and through them to bless the world. But they're not enjoying it very much. You know, the same thing can happen to us. If we trust in Jesus Christ, God is at work in our lives. He is blessing us. He is at work bringing about his good purpose. And he works through us to bless others. And yet, it's possible we're not enjoying it. How does that happen? Why would we fail to enjoy the blessing of God? Well, there are probably several reasons, but I'm going to just point out two reasons that I see in this account. Here's the first one. We will fail to enjoy God's blessing when we resist his will. When we resist his will. And by his will, I'm talking about the part of God's will that we can know because he's told us. Now, there are parts of God's will that we don't know in advance because he hasn't revealed those things to us. And there could be a lot of those things. You know, you could be thinking about things like career and job and where you live and marriage and, and some of these things that, you know, we, he, God has not said specifically and revealed to us what, what his will is. I'm not talking about that. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about something God has revealed in his word, something God has spoken. We can see it. We can read it but maybe we don't like it, and so we resist it. That's what I'm talking about. And as I read this, both dad Isaac and older son Esau are resisting what God had said, what God had made known. They tried to obtain for Esau 
the blessing that God had said would go to Jacob. And I'm talking here about that prophecy made to the mom, Rebecca, back in chapter 24, in which it was made clear that Jacob would be elevated above Esau and have all the rights and privileges and blessings of the firstborn. That's not what dad wanted, though. Why not? Well, apparently because he liked Esau more. And you can mark it down. If there's one thing that leads people to resist God's will, it is our desires and our feelings. We are so prone to follow our feelings when it comes to deciding what to do, what's right, what's good, and so on. God said one thing, but Isaac's desires said something else. Can you relate to that? Because I can. Have you ever really wanted something that God's Word says no to? Or have you not wanted something God's Word says yes to? What, what do we do in those situations? Well, all too often what we do is convince ourselves that, you know, what we want, that really is what God wants after all. And so we, you know, we see what he says in his word and we think, well, yeah, but I'm not, I don't think it really means that. I think, you know, and we, we rationalize. <laughs> Pastor Rick Warren says something very insightful about rationalizing. He says, when we rationalize, we tell ourselves rational Lies. See, we tell ourselves things that sound rational. They sound reasonable. They seem to make sense. The problem is they just don't match up with what God has said in His Word. Isaac and Esau resisted God's will. And it led to very bad consequences. You know, frustration, sorrow, bitterness, anger, and you probably want to jump in and say, well, wait, yeah, well, wait a minute, though. What about Rebecca? What about Jacob? I mean, they lied. They deceived Isaac. Well, that's true, and we're going to deal with them in a minute. Here's the thing, though. Their bad behavior does not excuse Isaac and Esau resisting what God had said. It didn't excuse it. The fact is, when we pursue something contrary to God's word, it's our fault. It's not somebody else's fault. Isn't it so easy? Oh my goodness, it is so easy to make excuses for our bad behavior, doing something contrary to what God has said because of what somebody else did, because of what somebody else said, because of how somebody else is acting. You know, we say, well, okay, yeah, sure, technically I shouldn't have done that. Technically, yeah, yeah okay, God's word says, oh yeah, but what about them? What about them? What about what they're doing? Squirrel. Look over there. I mean, we've already seen this in Genesis. Adam, did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat? Well, the woman you gave me, she gave it to me. Eve, what did you do? Oh, the serpent, he deceived me. What's the right response when we've resisted God's will? 
admit it. Be honest. Admit we were wrong. Admit that the real problem is not what somebody else did. The real problem is that we wanted something that God didn't want, that God said he didn't want, and we chose what we wanted and we disregarded what God said. See, that's really what sin is. Sin is disregarding God. Deciding that he doesn't really know what's best for us. We know better in this situation or whatever. See, that is so incredibly insulting to God, really. We usually don't let ourselves think it through like that because that would, you know, make us feel really uncomfortable. But that's really what we're doing. So we need to admit it. That's what confession is. Confession's not a ritual. Confession is admitting to God that we were wrong, that we went against what he said. No matter what anybody else said or did. I was wrong because I didn't want his will, period. And you know what's so amazing? What is so amazing is that Jesus promises wonderful things to those who will admit their sin to him. 1 John 1, nine. if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and look at it, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can come to him and we can confess, and we don't have to carry that load anymore. But it starts with admitting, I went against your will. So, that will keep us from enjoying God's blessing, resisting his will. The other thing I see here, we will fail to enjoy God's blessing when we reject his ways. When we reject his ways. Now, you might think, well, what's the difference between God's will and God's ways? And let me explain it like this. Think of God's will as the destination or the goal or the place we're trying to, you know, that's the thing, the, the, the goal, the destination. Then God's ways are the path, are the way to get there. And you can see it here. Rebecca and Jacob, okay, mom and younger son, they have the right destination in mind. They want what God wants. They want Jacob to receive the blessing. That was God's will. But their way of getting it, deceiving, lying, playing tricks on an old blind man, their way was contrary to God's ways. Back in chapter 18, verse 19, God had said this, For I have chosen Abraham so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord, which means by doing what is right and just. Keeping the way of the Lord means doing what is right and just. But their way depended on dishonesty. That's not the way to get something, even if it's a good something, even if it's something God wants us to have, because it means, here's the problem with it. What's the problem with not using God's ways to get what what God wants. It means we're not really trusting God. And you can write this down. 
Trusting God is the bottom line in everything. Everything. Look at Romans 14.23. For whatever does not proceed from faith, whatever does not come from trusting God is sin. So if God says, do it this way, and we don't, or God says, don't do it this way, and we do, we're not trusting him, and we sin. Now, maybe at this point, you're thinking, why in the world would God choose Jacob anyway? I mean, the guy is a lying, cheating mama's boy. <laughs> really? Is Jacob a better choice than Esau? I think most people would probably like Esau better. Right? Big guy, skillful hunter. Probably drives a 4 by 4 <laughs> He's an outdoorsman. He loves good food. Probably always firing up that barbecue and inviting the neighbors over for ribs. What about Jacob? He's a quiet man who likes to stay in the tent. Sounds kind of antisocial to me. And we know he was a liar. So why does God bless Jacob instead of Esau? You know something? It's the wrong question. It's the wrong question. When we ask that, you know what we're asking? We're asking, which one deserved God's blessing more? You know which one did? Neither one. God doesn't give his blessing to those who deserve it. That's the whole point of grace, because no one deserves it. Nobody. And that's the biggest lesson of all. If you don't get anything else out of this or any other lesson from Genesis or anywhere else we go, get this. Nobody deserves God's blessing. Nobody deserves God's forgiveness. No one deserves eternal life. Nobody deserves anything from God. It's grace. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Nobody could say, well, yeah, I deserve God's blessing. You, <laughs> you don't. 1 John 5, 11, and 12. This is the testimony that God gave, okay? Gave, gift. God gifted us eternal life, and this life is in his son, Jesus. The one who has the son has that life. The one who does not have that son does not have that life. It's not about what we deserve. It's whether or not we have Jesus, grace. So, Jacob gets God's blessing, even though he didn't deserve it, but he gets it. In spite of his deceitful ways, he gets it, okay? But, notice the consequences, okay? Going against God's ways sometimes technically works but there's always bad consequences and and you know you can't lie to people you can't cheat people and have that not be a problem 
Esau, his brother, was so angry with him, he wanted to kill him. And you know what Jacob had to do? If you, if you read on, he has to skip town. He has to run 500 miles and go stay with his uncle. And think of this consequence. His mother, Rebecca, who loved him dearly, they never saw each other again. And there's no social media. There's no telephone. There's no Skyping. She never saw her beloved son again. Rejecting God's ways made God's blessing very difficult to enjoy. Okay, so how do we apply this messy story to our lives? Okay, three things quickly. First, make sure your goals line up with God's will. Make sure your goals line up with God's will. Where will you find God's will? Right here. God's Word. Okay? God's Word has something to say about virtually every part of life. Our purpose in life, what we're living for, our work, our friendships, our marriages, our families, our money, our sexuality, everything. God has something to say. So whatever your goal is, make sure your goal is consistent with God's will. If you don't know where to look, this is a great reason for getting into a group where the Bible is studied and memorized and talked about so you can get to know better what God's will is and you can get to know other people who maybe know the Bible better and can help you find what you need to find. Second, make sure your ways line up with God's ways, which are also, guess where, in the Bible. Okay? So, you might have a great goal. Let's just say your goal is, I don't know, have more money. Your goal is to have more money so you can give to God's work or you can, you know, give your kids a, a good education or whatever. So your goal is, is a good goal. It's consistent with God's will. But your way of getting more money, if it's lying on your tax return, that's a bad way because that's not God's way. Or let's say there's a job you want. Man, it's absolutely consistent with God's will. It just seems right like that's the way God made you. It'd be a perfect job, but if you lie on your resume to get it, that's not God's way. Well, let's say you want your spouse to do everything God wants them to do. You want them to be obedient to the Lord. Sounds so noble. You want them to do God's will, but your way to getting them to do it is to nag them. That's not God's will. That's not, I mean, that's not God's way. God wants us to rely on Him, to trust Him. And that means doing God's will in God's way, which means prayerfully, patiently, humbly, truthfully, basically the way Jesus would. And then third, we need above all other things to be amazed at God's grace. Be amazed. <laughs> be amazed. I mean, you, you're going to be, if you're reading through in Genesis, you're going to read about these people and you think, what in the world? What was God thinking? Why is he using this people? Why did he choose them? It's grace, people. Look at the people God used to bring us a Savior and bless the world through foolish, fallible people like Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau in spite of all their sin. 
This is glorious. No sin is greater than His grace. And if you belong to Jesus, He has bestowed countless blessings on you. And He is at work in your life to bring about greater blessing. And if you're not enjoying it, He wants you to. The blessing is there. You can enjoy it if you want to because of His grace and for no other reason. You know, if you've resisted His will, confess it, embrace it. His will for you now. And if you're not doing things God's way, confess it and choose to do His way. Disobedience will never bring us greater joy, but obedience to Jesus always will, ultimately, always. But that's His grace. Let's bow together and pray. Father in heaven, your, your grace is completely amazing. I can't even believe that you would use someone like me to speak your word. And Lord, we, we need your grace every day. We need you to forgive us. We need you to lead us to repentance, to confess, so that we can enjoy the blessing you give us in Christ. Father, if there's anybody here yet who hasn't said yes to Jesus, I pray that today would be the day. And Lord, help lead us out of here. Help us want your will and do it your ways. And um, Lord, use us to bless. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.